Hey, what's up, guys? This is on uh, syntax and God theory. So, uh, in John one one, we have the word was with God. Word was God. By whom all things were made. Uh, were, were made. I suppose remade through Christ. You know, post post second Adam. You know, into the New Testament, uh, Novum Testamentum. It came at there. Uh, the Atheke, that means like a new world order. Uh, that comes through Christ, the cross dying, and the empirical coming back, and the empirical and rising up. And then we don't know what happened after that, apparently, according to the empirical sciences, right? So, but spiritually, you know, it's just his energy is transmuted to another domain, and then but basically, empirically, it's just translated. So that's Anastasis, resurrection. Uh, but also, it's, 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 it's the rising up. So it's translation and um <laughs> there's this word in greek or it always it always gets to me every time i read it it's in the beginning of uh matthew it's i think it's metacriticism it's like it's, it means deportation it's kind of the opposite and it's uh, referring to how the jews were deported into the babylonian culture and you know they had to exist from within do that domain as either discontent or content and that's kind of what we face today as Christians, because Americans, America is a very Babylonian domain. It's very confused, unstructured. It's very wild, like dumb beasts, you know. And that's the population. That's the people, the individuals who are around. They're very dumb beasts, you know. It's it's very easy to say that and and be realistic and feel safe when you say it, you know, in Christ and everyone. And it's good to be realistic about everything. I, that's the one thing I really would like y'all to practice is realism. <laughs> So syntax is cool. So, like Chomsky's uh, aspects of a theory of syntax, it, it gives an empirical and cognitive kind of theory of how world, uh, words are transmuted uh, epigenetically, even perhaps from phylogenetic uh, genetic structures into kind of pockets and you know subcultural physical structures of biology and sociology up into raised up through cognitive uh, affirmations and formations, probably through an unsub quantum biomechanic into proper use within our cultures, empirically speaking, which is cool. But he doesn't go to the spiritual aspect because he's an extra Jew, basically. <laughs> you know, and a Jew who's, you know, kind of turned his back on his culture is either someone who's progressively liberal and kind of stuck up, or just the genius trying to pull away from a bad family is resentful. So he probably has a right, if he didn't feel safe within his domain, he, he has his right to leave and, and form his own belief system. And I respect that. And I think that's why he's become so successful is he went his own way. And I, I like that about him. Um, he, he wouldn't entertain Christianity. He'd consider it some sort of anthropomorphic design designed to place state society into a Marxist belt. And that I heavily disagree with, though I agree that America has done that, but that's not Christianity, that's clearly anti-Christ, and even Christ said that that would come. Now, as far as linguistics, it's kind of like the terror of words versus the freedom of sociality, right? People are either excusing, excusing themselves, or it's like the normative human relations, right? And that's the cool aspect. You know, human human relations, human sociality, you could use words to describe things, and that's uh, synthopic. Uh, Christopher Langan has this 
He's considered the most intellectually high IQ individual in America. IQ's around 200, Stephen Hawking's 160. Average differential between a normative person and a retarded individual is 30. So four, that's a 40 point differential with Hawking on the losing side. So he would see Hawking as a retard. Hawking was a very brilliant man. He uh, profoundly uh, redistributed our uh, thought process of the cosmos into a more realistic domain and timeline of probably when the Bing Bing occurred when asymptotic ideation. That was probably often some ideations of time, perhaps, of how the cosmos is organized epistemologically uh, or, or, you know, cosmic, epistemo-psycho-cosmically from the ground up. I don't think it gives a true accurate description of every aspect of black holes, neither. Um, he talks about dimensional theorems by which you could go into a black hole and somehow come out again instead of having your entire <laughs> material system wasted away infinitely into an asymptotic void. I understand the physics behind a white hole and a singularity kind of storing information for a bit. While this is probably also not true, um, it would have to be true at some level due to the laws of entropy and like basic thermodynamic preservation laws. Yeah, extrapolated into a kind of like a psychocognitive framework of equations, it loses a lot of mass within its own speech. So this is where linguistics comes in, and especially Christian linguistics, which is very, 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 very far behind and practically, and it's unexcusable that it's not really developed. I, I'd expect people like William Lane Craig with their freaking like powerhouse god minds have created entire systems and no so i've taken 10 years of my freaking useless life that has led to absolutely nothing and 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 i created my own science um and a christian linguistics and psychology christ and my friend and it, I, you know i've been studying like uh nietzsche did kind of like a discursive historical linguistic framework route starting you know usually you know i started with hebrew how how adam you know, probably use pictorial aspects as cognitive learning a priori framework and use, you know, glutteral pronouns to start naming because that's what Hebrew is. It's very pronounced, realistic language. Whenever you speak something like par par butterfly in Hebrew, when, whenever you're speaking it, you are that you attribute the identity to the thing in and of itself, you ipso, ipso facto. And that creates like a sense of balance within what you're saying. And English doesn't have that, yet it has a similar grammar as Hebrew that's linear. Um, uh, uh, there's two types, haptotactic and, and uh, whatever Greek is, where the, you know, the placement of the pronouns within the, uh, uh, the pronouns and uh, prono pronominals and the, uh, you know, the grammatical uh, chains basically are a chain to the uh, uh, sentence structures to create a context and a blanket for the pronouns basically the substantia uh, that which is being subs you know subscribed to in the speech and kind of described uh, by the whole sentence without error hopefully you know haptotactic and uh, what's the other one uh, 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 it's been a while, and I'm outside, and they're, they're kind of like creepy people around, so I'm losing a sense of balance, being nervous within this excursion, which I guess is 
absolutely irresponsible of me to start, absolutely irresponsible. They just can't have the self-control to not be creepy, you know, kind of target me. But, um, anyways, <coughs> at the tactic, and then, yeah, okay, so, you have linear versus, like, it matters where the words are in English for it to make sense. If I say, what, but, is that, you know, or, like, like Yoda uses, like, a Greek, almost, like, grammatical formula where the placement of the words do not matter yet they still tend to make sense because of his wisdom right so that's the greek grammar english you need the specific placement for it to make sense like um your building blocks like a chain an algorithm that that is responsible to a central domain of linear order which creates very quick order so English could be said to be an extrapolation of uh, Hebrew's spiritual program, teleologically, the spirit or will of Hebrew is somehow an American or, or, or general English. And it's funny how that happens because in <laughs> Mediterranean culture, the Slavs, the white people, the ancient English, they... That's where we get the word slaves from the word slabs, and it was describing white people. We are wild animals, still kind of are today, aren't we? But, um, beer drinkers slaughtering people by the dozen for no reason, you know. <laughs> we were the slabs, and you know, that developed into the English culture, the uh, Vikings, Irish, Norse, Welsh, Welsh uh, theology, and uh, they sought a different kind of program and had to because of their environments and it was colder so they developed different they had to increase their ability to achieve results quickly to prepare for the winter whereas in the south and mediterranean it would be more a little bit more tropical more but a little bit more arid too uh so they didn't have to worry about results results kind of came to them you know that area is kind of like pick as you go um Egypt's uh, either very bountiful because it's in the middle of everywhere in that area, you know, it was a domain and region which could amount to either a natural harvest or a lot of poverty and decay, depending on if a drought came or not. So you have African developments of personalities which are unstable as a result, Mediterraneans which are cool but resentful, then you have the heightened kind of almost toxic white aggressors going and unjustifies the means to prepare for the winter and that's like the three main personalities and then you see like the the asiatic cultures who are just chilling like buddhists because they don't have those psychologies at all because they grew up in a region which was so normative and fair still is normative and fair and they still generally live there and don't migrate to america as much so they're still normative and fair <laughs> When they come to America, they're well adapted because they know Americans are like, no matter what race, culture, color, creed, or, you know, color, whatever, we're all idiots. So they come here expecting that, and they either get sucked in that and hate everything, or they kind of conquer it and they have their family ties and they're fine. You know, and that's pretty much, that's the world right now. <laughs> you know, from a historical, bioevolutionary point of view, at a macro than micro level, Christ and my prayer man that's still somehow within biblical context and uh, t time frame so um now linguistically 
this creates, the injustifies the means, means we have to have a rational language that's capable of producing very nominal bits and points really quickly. At the same time, we all have to be on the same page emotionally, behaviorally. So that's why English. People struggle with why English very much, like ebonics. Yo, what up now? Spelling everything wrong on purpose. It's not a rebellion. Like their minds are struggling to adapt genetically. And it doesn't mean they're dumb. It means that genetically they're used to a completely different linguistic social norm that's based more off music and dancing. And I think that's beautiful. I'd rather go dance than be talked down to by a whole bunch of white people like machine gun firing in the same area over and 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 be burdened all the time. You know, it hurts. It's frustrating and it doesn't make sense. That's how I feel too sometimes. Because, <coughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had a friend who was African American. He used to say, John, you act more black than we do. And I was like, my bad. <laughs> you know, but, but anyways, so, um, and I actually got an offer to be in the Black Panthers ones. But uh, I'm not gang affiliated, nor do I condone gang, gang affiliations necessarily, nor do I have anything really against them. As long as you're being responsible and, you know, protecting yourself, protecting the good police. There's very few, right? Protecting your friends and family, obviously, in Christ and my prayer, amen. Uh, so, linguistically, and then we have the Hispanic culture, who is, uh, uh, from the Mediterranean, is more, ling- you know, take as you go, that's romantic. It's always, but it, it's not really conservative, it's arbitrary, so it's very fickle. That's why you see, fickleness is what an aspect of women naturally, apparently, so they're more relatable to women, you know. <coughs> apparently, in Christ, some are from men verbally. And white, white people, because they, you know, they're using the more logical pronouns that are articulated towards a common goal, they, it's seen as almost ugly or indecent, as if it's a shameful act of arbitrage like a Nietzschean power player codependency when it's just talking accurately in English but it does it responsibly strains other cultures it creates a it created kind of like a heightened flagship uh, kind of a new new norm that's very opposed to Mandarin Chinese Mandarin Chinese is kind of its complete counter destructive uh, isolating institute like not even competitors just drains all the energy of english because it is in situ it lacks any organizational capacity as a culture which brings in the need for communism extreme regulation that's harsh within their culture so you can see how the linguistic bindings throughout historical you know entire manifolds of culture it's like a pandemic of, you know, within the Asiatic cultures, a need to commit suicide, almost a suicidal aggression, whenever they cannot compete with English cultures because of the language alone. The language alone is inferior in the sense that because it is in situ, it creates a cognitive experience in the individual, which goes from situation to situation, which creates either hype or paranoia. You know, which isn't good in a system of capitalism and co- economic competition. Well, Buddhism just makes this worse with the shame versus honor, integrity versus doubt, kind of like react or exploit other cultures because you're, you know, racist Asian. You know, it's really because Christ, Christianity, as opposed to Buddhism, creates like a shame reduction technique and prayer 
intrinsic shame reductions intrinsic to the domain of Christianity. Buddhism doesn't have that. It's more cosmic unity, but it doesn't talk that much about shame. So it never gets processed. from So it creates kind of like narcissistic codependence as opposed to like a little bit more, you know, stronger, bolder, ethical creatures that are willing to go out and work. So that's, that's one way Christianity has aided, you know, competition. It's not that competition is always good. It can be overburdensome and it create an environment of pantheism and doubt that just darkens the community for no reason. Christ in my prayer, that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but as far as linguistics and psycholinguistics goes, like this is just kind of like, that's, that's where we are as a culture. You know, there's the dark capitalism, then there's like the light capitalism where you're responsible, you're getting your needs met, you're supporting the community, and that's more like religionless Christianity. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be based off love. Now, the cool thing about, cool thing about love is it's assertive. Uh, it triumphs. It overcomes. Use pronouns, big boy words. You're realistic. You chain the the, the pronominals, the and the uh, you know the grammatical manipulatives, the and or you know and. You're finding means to catch the center of a, the chase, and you're trying to balance the solution or unbalance it on the favor of the good. You know, the, that which binds to God's will is responsible and protects people from death or second death. You know, within an entire awareness of society as a whole, what's good for society, what's good for you, what's good for your family. You're trying to put away biases for a day to do God's will as a whole to protect the whole of society perhaps the person that originally thought you were protecting but weren't uh, by thinking about a problem you know more in depthly more accurately and more in righteously as a Christ oriented individual should and you know needs to be doing needs to be learning about topics more which plague individuals like schizophrenia or codependency burdensome isolation of religious autocracy and and that's that's where we are, in, especially in the South. And that's where I'm speaking from. Is from the South. So I'm going to cover those topics a little bit more indifferently, and then work my way out back into globalism. So, as far as syntax go, we we, we have you know the uh, develop of the Semitic, the Hebraic, the Aramaic, Russian, Ukrainian, uh, and then you have the uh, you have the more Aryan belt, the uh, Mohammedic languages, Arabic, and then you have similar, pretty sure in Ethiopian alone, you have some Aramaic that was extended because, you know, there, there's that preach. And then you have English, which is like a potpourri, but it's mainly Germanic apparently, even though it has more Greek, like pronouns infused uh, than German <laughs> pronouns. And it's interesting, and, and you know, Latin, but it has French too. So it's just... Now, English is able to postmodernly systematize all things linguistically into its own domain and kind of recapitulate it for itself and continue on with its goals. And that's not exclusive to whites. It's its own language. You know, anybody can speak it. So it's cool like that. It's a free language. And Christ my Perman. And um, grants you access to a lot of things. Each new language is good to learn. You know, God has got a knowledge. You want to keep learning, keep learning new languages. Understand your own more through learning other languages. Understand other languages through learning. And it's that building process, that symbiosis of uh, 
and it creates like a mental barrier from sin. The more knowledge you have, the more you can outstretch your hand against sin, against accusations, against paranoid uh, mental theft. People like to steal your ideas sometimes, even perhaps for a moment, try to mirror you and aggress. Shame and isolate certain good boundaries you have. So you're able to use foreign concepts, even like Schadenfreude, which is like undermining your high social status to bring you down to a lower level, kind of inhibited. That's a German word. So you wouldn't get that learning only English or learning only Spanish within your region. You'd have to extend mentally and be less of a closed-minded prick. And that's very hard for a lot of people. You have to uh, abide past your pride. You know, kind of shame and isolate your own sin, which is self-discipline. And then you got to push other people back, which is uh, righteous protection of the community. Christ in my prayer, man. You are an individual, individual in as the community itself. Christ in my prayer, man. So you don't protect yourself. You're not protecting the community. And you're not doing righteous duty in Christ in my prayer. So, um, in all this, healthy linguistics is mainly reading, listening to audiobooks, listening to people, listening to music. Music especially, you get that cultural, diffusive, uh, especially good music, like Toby Ngwe, and you know, you get the creativity, you get the concepts, you get the cultural foray, role, role positions, role descriptions, you get to empathize. And it's only through language that you really get to use it when it's expressed towards people in a loving manner. The intent is to heal or build or form something good with other people involved, you know, intentionally to protect them and hide their sins. You know, that's how you get better and you grow up hiding their sins. Love hides the multiplicity of sins. So when you accuse people and exploit them verbally and character assassinate, you know, use your, your pronouns or lack thereof, you use fake, fake, error-filled syntax strings Nothing happens. You waste the economy of words. All your energy is going to nothing, and it becomes false testimony, which is why it's illegal. You're becoming a waste. 20% of your mental energy, uh, or 20% of your entire energy field goes towards your mind. All that which you eat, 20% of it is metabolized, goes straight to your brain, which goes into mental processes. So, maybe more than that. That was the last statistic five years ago. So, that's a lot of energy. Now, if, you know, a third of your entire mental process is a syntax, stringing, and active phonetic lo locatives, which are kind of like pronounced in daily life and conversation. And wow, that's a lot of, that's like six, per, that's like six or seven percent. That's, that's not, that's not effect. It's codependency. It's people pleasing and it's wrong. That's why God condemns it. That's why it's actually written in the law. So that's that's another connection there. Kind of like these fundamental linguistic elemental aspects. But you gotta worship God within it all, or else it comes apart, right? The image of God kind of keeps it bind in Christ as Lord when you say that it's in love, right? So it keeps going. Um, conversation keeps going, even though you may not have as much energy as you think. So and like I know the opportunity opens up to keep speaking the truth in Christ's name I pray on men without being shut down physically or mentally or being abused. And something getting interrupted that's you know important or formally initiated away from people or sabotage you know <laughs> you don't want anything to be sabotaged pressing around and you know shame on that anybody sabotaged me um for that i'll do god's will 
I know this is uh, this this was a very long disc- discursive route. Um, so that was kind of like a more. Uh, th- there's different types of philosophy. There's the analytic, continental. That's more of a continental discursive approach, kind of like Michel Michel Foucault would analyze the histor- historical epistemology of a subject, and that's kind of what it was. So it gives you a more cultural. Analyzation, kind of more disorganized, more more cool and informal, more direct down to earth. That's more continental philosophy. It's gonna tell you what it was at a human level, like mano a mano, like here I am talking with you, not towards you, giving you like all this direction, overburdening you with like nominal syntax, like you know, equals mc squared minus the ratios. You know, it's using words that we can relate with to talk about subjects that are a lot more difficult to unpack over time, so I'm trying to unburden y'all with continental, continental start, so to speak, continental breakfast, now here's a little, here, let's, uh, let's take a break real quick, um, I'm gonna add a flag real quick, and, um, there we go, 24 minutes, now, okay, so analytic philosophy of mind and syntax starting now, in a godly sense, alright, so we have grammatical A-chains, fundamental topological grammatical connectors between grammars, verbs, uh, and the process in between which interlocks them into a binding, uh, which creates, you know, kind of like the grammatical, I think, it, what was it, K, 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 structure, I don't know, uh, in the Chomsky instance, where it creates the potential for action uh, within a framework of, of action and self-speech. And that's, that's cool that we can describe all this you know, and self-reflect on the nature of syntax and cognitive linguistics from the moment while speaking to other people, you know, we are God, Psalm 82. But what's cooler is when you can bring it to a spiritual level. That was based off like an empirical uh, Cartesian mind-matter dualism where you're one with the cosmos, which is more a Buddhist empirical approach that he's not fond of completely describing, but that's what it is. Chomsky's more of a Buddhist than he takes on to say and um, that's not honest at all, which, you know, that's, I think that's why he, he, he looks guilty every time he speaks. Like, he's a weasel hiding in the shadows, but he has all this gentle genius that's, like, profound and noble. Wishes for the best, but it's stubborn and rebellious at his core, you know? <laughs> and, you know, he's a powerful wit, which brings a strong aura of genius and presence, but it's too melodramatic to really take hold. And, and real intellectual circles, you know, they kind of consider him a little bitch. Yeah. <coughs> a little offense nowadays. We have modern philosophers like William Lane Craig, Ravi Zacharias have a little bit more bold ethic where they're not going to take matters lightly and they're going to pick apart arguments a lot more quickly, a lot more deftly, and a lot more realistically. And without burdening other people into psychosis or some melodramatic victim playing or victim spree, which kind of Chomsky does. The Buddhists kind of like, hey, Jews controlling the West. Nah, dude. We have a lot more power over them. They have more spiritual authority in some senses, and that's the power they sense, and they have been given a lot of financial controls over the West that you know most people aren't aware of. Uh, and that's in the Bible. It says that that is set up as an institution. They are the firm, heavy-set weight that uh, builds or destroys the world. And Catholicism is meant to be number two. 
And then Islam is supposed to be number three. So those are the three powers that self-regulate and keep each other in balance, you know, religiously and spiritually. And that's how, that's how it, um, God said it was going to be. Uh, until the end of time, that's when the Mahdi, the true Christian uh, emperor comes, Christ, uh, you know, is, is, is coming and, and, and we gotta, we gotta watch and wait, uh, the Antichrist, you know, Trump's very close to either completing his goals or completely, like, turning a, like, there's gonna be some, he's gonna crack, he's, he's on the verge of so much, like, he's, he's, he's sabotaged a lot of order, yet done immense good, so, with that, he's have a profound nobility, kind of like an evil wit, you know, it's feeding off the Holy Spirit, yet not doing the Holy Spirit's will entirely, so that's like, that's the shady bit, and he is a, he's a politician, so to keep all that negative influence out would be impossible, and all the darkness that gets like thrown at him, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's still, you know, receiving the grace of God and doing what he can with it. I'm just concerned about if there is a future imbalance that strikes him with a powerful spirit of the Antichrist. Who would, you know, and I've seen it manifest in him, the spirit of the Antichrist, and it gives him an unnoble rebellion and a deep creature worship, which is stupid and like pig headed. But then he, he finds the nobility or spiritual uh, aggression to break from it and becomes a normative Christian again. He goes through this Antichrist normative Christian cycle. But he's not consistent enough uh, to, I think, be a truly saved Christian, though he has great Christian and Presbyterian influence, which is a rich, higher education, very noble, refined culture, which, you know, gives virtue to everybody, no matter what, generally speaking, historically, too. You know, Uh, and that's hard because, like, we all fight against the flesh, and some people crack like Judas and try to control the flow of money and they kind of try to control the flow of thoughts and of energy and syntax and then that's satanic rebellion and witchcraft they, they try to control the flow of marriages and sexual impulse and it becomes Jezebel and then every that's that's all of human culture that ends like and across connections of development all kind of stifled and that's what I'm worried about because he would be the end you know, and I'm sure he will be. Biden would be an end even quicker because he's a liberal and he's not he's not educated. He's not a good leader at all. And uh, not to get too political here, uh, as far as as far as linguistic teleology, we have all these different gospel-oriented sub-translations from Greek, from the uh, Hebrew into all the different languages which counteract these political imbalances. It's cool. You see the gospel creating completion and love, and you see politics, what? Draining people of capital, kind of creating systems of death, which is the dragon, right? And capitalism, people watch the TV, and they can't relate, and they start killing their kids. And, that, you know, that's even in my family. It's embarrassing to talk about. My, my parents are so used to the TV, they can't even relate to people socially, a healthy normative plane whatsoever. So they become de- denormativized, demagnetized towards God, and they start forming their own false, deluded belief system based off 
Game of Thrones, they believe that Tyrion, that's a movie psychosis. It becomes a flurry of psychosis, ill will, and projective phenomena on that point, so they can they know it's wrong to watch that much TV, but how are they going to get all that unstable influence out of their system? They, they project it on their kids, the weakest people around them, right? But if the kid's stronger than the adults, they don't do it. They just kind of keep a low profile and slink in shame, like gone. And that's what I noticed with my parents, and it's it's difficult, you know, for, uh, I'm sure, other millennials to go through that because they're going through the same thing. I'd say stay off Netflix and start listening to Audible, start interacting with peers a little bit more healthily, listen to them more, go to shows, you know, go to book clubs, start organizing a little bit more socially. If you live in the ghetto and that's unfeasible, go to your library, keep your head down, you don't want a bullet piercing you. I've been through that, actually, and uh, with bullets actually going above my head. And uh, to save a dog recently at my friend's house and I got him while he was in there was taking care of a dog and uh, you know stuff still needs to get done you still got to go to the store get groceries my recommendation don't spend money on drugs save enough for the uber delivery so you can get food for favor delivery so you can get the groceries you know let let the food and the blessings come to you because you deserve it you know don't let the system take you the system's not designed to kill you uh, people kill you Remember that the system doesn't exist. The system's a matrix of delusions, hypocrisies, exploitations from various white ring uh, extremists and liberal incompetent, uneducated individuals incapable of justice. Codependencies, economically or uh, politically, basically. And uh, you stay away from that, especially if you're a minority. You gotta learn that. So either you go in there aggressively, you learn. You learn, you get educated, read those books, listen to those audiobooks, but you still maintain your aggression. But love, love your family, keep them together. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Keep them protected. You don't, you don't need white sharks or black fake priests. You don't need Joel Osteen telling you, it's all good when everything's falling apart. You don't need John Hagee warmongering or pig hounding. You don't need people enslaving you to debt and greed and poverty and controlling the flow of money with aggression. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You can shame that city. Get behind me, Satan. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Get, and, you know, pray and fast on occasion. Sometimes poverty and being hungry is good. You just keep praying. Like, it's the demons out, the ones that are deeply rooted in society. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So, you guys take care. Um, that was the long... This is going to be another, um, another segment, because I'm getting too off track, talking about local issues, basically. All right, so... Um, I, I, I think, so, from a holotropic perspective, when we think about linguistics and apply it to our local communities, uh, it's just, you know, use English as a precursor to uh, ennoble the community. It's kind of like a gentrification, especially in places where there's always a higher virtue developed community like Austin that's strong enough to take hold and nobody can really actually defeat it, you know, because there's, what are you going to do, like, attack education? I mean, most people aren't smart enough to even pick up a pen. They're just aggressive and psychotic and mentally ill uh, or demonically, you know, afflicted and don't know what to do because they don't read the Bible and they're too prideful or manic to do so or stubborn. So that's so good liberal communities like Austin, they don't shatter easily and they stay protected in Christ's name and 
because you know good northern like Pennsylvania and Iowa have good liberal communities too which don't get shattered easy they have Mennonite communities and Amish communities and that stick together using love and you know they understand technology they don't always have to pig hound everybody into a technocratic autonomy of capitalism which over competes and tries to kill still and destroy for no reason you know kind of a stupid self-aggrandizing pig oriented Netflix delusion of grandeur that's more schizophrenic, schizoaffective, or sociopathic, and uh, trying to control the flow of money to get attention. That's just like a stupid pig white culture that has aff- afflicted many for a long time, like the Capital and Hunger Games, and kind of extorted everybody, you know. And it's definitely not, it's definitely not Christian. Joel Osteen's definitely the head of that. Trump is not. Trump uh, despises that. Uh, there are certain evil powers in the Bible, like the dragon and the harlot, which hate each other, yet they're technically on both on the devil's side. So, hate hates other haters. Love loves other lovers and attempts to reach out to people no matter what. And uh, to create good, protect the good of uh, people in general. So linguistically, this is learning other languages, linguistic outreach, Uh, structure of grammar is going to be important. You got to learn those pronouns and where where things go and the culture, how to use usted, respect, you know, uh, distribute respect and assert it properly in cultures. That's to not overburden other people, not people, please, you know, learn the mechanics of laws and cultures as to create productive frameworks for other people existentially so that they can move forward regardless of your skin color in Christ and prayer, amen. You know, that's what I've been trying to do is kind of like a non-human but more God-oriented metaphysic and linguistics that doesn't focus on any denomination or anything. It's like proto-Lutheran yet disbands Calvinistic abstract division and ideations and creates that work centrism within a system of education that's more like John Dewey. He has a profound Kierkegaardian existential aspect and Chomsky and, you know, com- computational breakdowns that are active in situ and have therefore have integration to the Eastern manifold. And, you know, it's more of a Christian Buddhist syncretism and... At meta meta philosophy. So, anyways, hope you guys are doing well. This is kind of a long, boring, uh, continental, pseudo analytic. Uh, getting really tired. It's twelve thirty-two, and I've been doing podcasts for an hour and a half, and I'm trying to get hungry and tired, and it's in a cold, cold, cold front. So, I'm gonna have to wind down here. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I'm gonna do another part. Hopefully, if I can, I can't promise that. Um, where I, I give you all a little bit more of a Saucerian, Chomskyan, and then more of a, maybe a Pinkarian. And then uh, there's a, um, David, David Kimmer has a cognitive, neurocognitive linguistic aspects of, uh, s- uh, neurocognitive linguistics of the brain or psychology, which is good. It talks about the morphological aspects. Now, adding the spiritual element is cool. This is, I will end, end up talking about. So, nous uh, and, and, and uh, you know, Greek, Latin is knowledge, kind of like an image aspect, a form gradient, which forms into a semantic value if it's processed. Semantic values are able to be used in a top-down manifold using even Chomsky and linguistics where it can be recalled in K... Uh, I think K-structures, K-selection, where the, the semantic aspect and the form word appropriation, the lexicon, 
uh, appropriation is integrated with a semantic spiritual form just alienates the sin in this and the love purges it you get a proto-spiritual linguistics and then you're able with spiritual analysis because you know if you have christianity you're going to be able to discern spiritual images and not empirical images alone so you're able to see past the empirical image and structure of the cosmos a bit more you're going to see the spiritual aspects the angels the war the demons you know the whole the whole manifold of the pea brain that hawking talked about not only the empirical the spiritual you're going to see the energies flow you're going to fuel them in your nervous system. You're going to describe them using the nous, physical nous, embedded emotional nous, into a semantic linguistic manifold that's proto-Chomskyan, post-Chomskyan, post-Saucerian um, by like 50 years, computationally Pinkarian, and then over camera into like a more Christian manifold that has William Craig and J.P. Moreland kind of like isolating pronouns into sub-isolates and locatives that are somehow still free in modal context and like still hearing the empirical Chomsky and grammar has a free modal authority, free modal grammars uh, that are able to self-develop and self-organize as an artificial intelligence yet a proto-human subconscious could work and so not only could this be extended to artificial intelligence but uh, pan and cosmopsychicism as well and psychologies where linguistics is used better to process shame in psychology as to prevent split personality uh, uh, Bernard, uh, Professor Bernardo Sands I think and uh, he talks about panpsychism and cosmopsychism and how the brain splits cosmic images and whatnot to protect the personality from trauma sometimes and you can use words to heal these that very specific points or there's a barrier of resentment or deep emotional pain and fear you feel kind of a hellfire reach out because you got to get over this it's your responsibility as an individual not to burden other people with your trauma right so you got to use words you got to find the right words use auto audiobooks and education is number one right now you know good music good blare out society Keep the bad out. Society doesn't want you alive. They they want to eat you. They're pigs. So, uh, they don't want you to talk. They're pigs. So, they want you to oink and oink and oink and consume, right? Well, God wants you to talk. He wants you to be realistic, relate with others with gentleness as Christ did. Free people using the word of God in Christ. I'm pray, and not save your own skin like an oink pig might, you know, a cop or a dumb peasant or a godless dope fiend, you know? You gotta do God's will and, you know, his, his culture and... And that's using, that's using a Zephaniah 3.9, like a new language, a, 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 a one that's spiritual, one that has spiritual essence that other people, especially pagans, won't understand, that Gentiles will, according to Peter, will misalign. You know, Gentiles are going to misalign your speech patterns. You're going to stumble more around Gentiles. Pagans are going to crash your language speak. You know, you won't be able to truth speak. You'll be stuck on words. You'll be ashamed of using simple pronominals to describe. They'll get offended and you'll want to not say stuff. And they'll psychotically self organize your attack using words. And that's just, that's dumb animal behavior. That's not human. Because true humans don't care what you say. They're going to mind their own business and walk away. Or they're just going to listen and just kind of like understand your psychology from a distance. And they're not going to attack. Only pigs attack, you know. 
and that's pagans. You know, gen- Gentiles more like wolves or like good, good, like spiritually refined humans to a degree. That's usually what they amount to. The wolves miss the lion. Wolf nature needs to be abandoned so you can develop those detached natures, which are more spiritual and free and loving, which have energies elsewhere than the cosmos. Christ, I'm a prayer man. Diversify your portfolios. Um, in different domains. This is good domain theology, you know what I mean? You gotta create your temple, make it holy. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, sort out your tribe, know who's holy and just, and avoid the rest. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Use your language not to create bitterness and create division and discord and curse people, bless other people. Sometimes you gotta get the negative people out of the community, you don't, but don't strain the gnat and swallow a camel. Understand what they're going through before you kick them out or shun them, you know what I mean? You know, very rarely are you going to need to shun somebody. Usually the people trying to shun everybody or kill them or steal and destroy are the ones who need shunning. Christ in the name of Uh So you guys use linguistics more appropriately and wisely and unburden yourselves, unburden me, unburden God, burden yourself in the long run. The community, if you use spiritual syntax, which is free, clear, logical, respectful, godly and loving, protective, educated, wise, differentiated, and well-organized in lenguajes diferentes totalmente, de tienes un respeto si tornas de Jesucristo totalmente en el nombre de Cristo. Amén. And, you know, you, you learn those new uh, character sets, acrylic, uh, acrylic, the Mediterranean sets, the Hebrew um, and it protects your mind from various mental disorders like Alzheimer's because your neurons are very well strong to connect it biologically because that's what your body's going to do. It's going to protect its assets and you should consciously do that too. Keep working, keep building, keep forming that kingdom in Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, in the name of Christ, y'all be safe, protect yourselves, pray for me, I'm going through a lot. Um, I'll pray for y'all no matter what. In Christ's name I pray and I'll, I'll keep suffering for y'all as I have been as best as I can without promising it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.